Hey, welcome back to the Chasing Sunday podcast. My name is Brian Davis. I'm your host, uh, and I am really, really excited about this episode. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk with uh, my friend Dave Powers, who's been a worship leader here in the Denver area for uh, many, many years, um, and he's doing some really exciting things now, <clears throat> has been doing exciting things for a long time. And to be able to get a chance to talk to him and pick his brain about worship ministry and the church and music and all that kind of stuff uh, was really an exciting opportunity. Uh, um, one of the things that, that I love about Dave is he is he's got a huge heart for people. Um, he is a ferocious networker um, and loves getting people connected. Um, this uh this episode is is on the longer side. We spent probably a good hour talking about ministry. Um, and then after we were done recording, we spent another hour uh, on the phone just uh, where he just downloaded name after name after name after name of people, probably about 25, uh, 25 names that he was like, dude, you need to know this person and you need to contact that person. And this person's really great. And he's just that kind of guy. Like he just, he loves people, loves getting people connected. So, um, we're also going to link, he's got some great music projects and some things like that, that he is working on now, uh, with his wife. And, uh, so we're going to link to that. I'll talk about that a little bit more after this episode. Uh, we did record this on zoom, um, because you know, COVID is a thing. So, uh, we connected over zoom. So there may be a you know, the audio might not be the greatest, but the content is really, really phenomenal. This guy, um, like I said, huge heart. Um, he's got a big brain on him. And so, uh, this guy has some, has some wisdom to drop into your ears. So please do listen intently and enjoy this episode of Chasing Sunday with my good friend, Dave Powers. All right. Awesome. Well, hey, Dave, Dave Powers, the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Powers. Welcome to the Chasing Sunday podcast. So glad that you're here. Um, man, uh, first of all, how are you doing? We, uh, what, what are you doing? Um, and especially in this age of COVID and all this craziness. Um, yeah, would love to just hear uh, kind of what you're up to right now. So fire away. Cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on yeah, the show, man. I really appreciate it being on this podcast yeah. and just your invitation and your friendship, man. Oh, well, shucks. um, like what am I doing? I'm doing a bunch of different stuff right now. I am, uh, doing some worship leading, you know, during the COVID stuff, I'm doing a lot of worship leading on video and sending it to churches all over the country, which has been really cool to connect with or kind of stay connected with everybody. Um, I did an online deal the other day at helping people process loss because culturally we are not good at that. Mm. We're terrible at processing loss actually. Yeah. And so um, about a hundred people gathered on a zoom meeting and I helped bring some coaching there. And uh, that was really cool. Um, and then I've been doing a bunch of stuff with like helping leaders process loss. And um, 
it's so easy in church leadership, particularly to get isolated, you know? Yeah. And so you start, um, you know, people are dealing with depression. They're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with um, a lot of weight and pressure and they don't have a sense of safety in sharing those issues a lot of times in their communities. And so um, I'm finding myself in environments all the time where I'm talking to leaders and just helping them process their pain, process their loss and stuff like that. So that's been really cool. And then my wife and I have a singer songwriter duo called mountain city. And so we've been writing songs furiously and, um, in the recording studio a ton and releasing stuff. In fact, just uh, a few days ago, we released a song about miscarriage that uh, is really powerful. And the year and the uh, month before that, it was a like a girl pop country song. So I'm sure all of our fans are like getting whiplash pretty severely. Uh, nice. So nice. yeah, man, just never... kind of creating a lot and pouring into people and leaders as much as we can. And that's um, yeah, been a, crazy season man yeah yeah it is it definitely is um so hey uh well thanks for taking the time i mean you're a you're a busy guy and you got a lot going on so um i appreciate you uh carving out a little time to to talk to me and and talk to us um those who will be listening um i'd love to hear a little bit about your own ministry journey um you mentioned helping uh helping other worship leaders and other leaders and things like that um tell us about you know, kind of your, your journey through being in church ministry and, and eventually kind of transitioning out of church ministry, all that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear uh, where you've been and, and, you know, probably end up with where you're going, but yeah, tell us a little bit of your story. All right, cool. Uh, Let's see. I've been leading worship for uh, about 23 years and I think I was about 21 years old when I uh, was asked by this church in kind of the north side of the Denver metro area to come just lead worship for um, for a weekend because their worship leader, who you know, Dan Wakefield, yeah, uh, was out of town, and so I came over and did some leading there. And the pastor was sitting out in the chairs, actually, kind of had a weekend off, and so he was just sitting out with everybody, mm-hmm. and came up to me afterwards. I didn't know who he was, and he goes, "Hey, man, um, I'd like to talk to you about working here." And I had just come off of a super difficult, disillusioning situation at a previous church where uh, the pastor of that church, unbeknownst to me and everyone else, had about a close to a 30-year history of predatorizing young men in the the churches that he was at. And uh, his final attempt was with me. And um, I kind of had some sense about where it was going and what was happening and all that stuff. And so I didn't uh, get brutalized like the other guys did, but it was still so incredibly disillusioning because you have this crisis on your hands of, um, like, I hated church leadership. I hated church structure and authority. And I was so full of unforgiveness and bitterness and... Uh, truthfully, I kind of associated all of that stuff with the Holy Spirit hmm. and uh, ended up kind of saying, Holy Spirit, I don't want you around because weird stuff happens uh, <laughs> when you're in the mix. And right. um, 
was just so wounded. And so when I stepped into leading worship that one Sunday, I was just full of, you know, my, my guard was up, man. I, yeah. I uh, wasn't really um, open-hearted in the sense of looking for ways to contribute. I was just trying to help out, you know? Right. And so when they asked me, when I started asking me if I wanted to work there, I was like, no, I was going to be a chiropractor actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was working hardwood floors at the time, but okay. um, really liked the idea of bringing healing in practical ways to people. And sure. so uh, that was the route that I was on. So when they offered me a, a part-time job, I was like, eh, I'm not really sure, man. I don't think that that's a fit, but I started praying about it and um, really felt like God was leading me to say yes. And so my wife and I, just brand new married couple, yeah. prayed about it and felt like there was a green light there. And it was in that time that I started experiencing this principle that I'll see if I can articulate it well. It's the idea that sameness many times can heal you. Hmm. And so, you know, if you get hurt in a church situation, for instance, many right. times God will put you back into a church situation to heal you. Hmm. Sameness heals. Um, it's a redemptive process that God brings you on. And right. so I jumped into that church and kind of with my guard up. Yeah. And I remember like three weeks in, maybe the senior pastor comes up to me and he goes, Dave, you're a good worship leader, man. And I said, Oh, cool. Thank you. And he said, you're a terrible worship pastor though. Oh, geez. <laughs> and I was like, what? I, I didn't know what he meant by that. And I was offended, you know, cause oh, I was sure. already just all busted up over church leadership and everything. And yeah, and as an artist, too, if somebody tells you you're not good at something, it gets in your head forever. Maybe that's a human issue. but Right. Well, and it doesn't seem to matter what it is that, you yeah. know, that they tell you that you're bad at. It's still yeah. like it gets at that heart piece, you know, because your heart as an artist is just so like it's just so big anyway. And you're like a yeah. walking nerve ending. So like anytime somebody points out one little flaw, it just like it sinks into everything. You know, totally. it's like, you know, this, I don't want to trivialize it, but I often joke, like, I, I hate golf because I'm so bad at it. But the reason I'm so bad at it is that I never play. I just expect like, oh, I'm going to step up to the tee and I'm going to hit the ball and I'm going to be Tiger Woods. Like, yeah. no, like there's a reason that people are good at certain things is because they've devoted a lifetime to doing it. But like, I, if I go golfing, it'll be a week before I pull myself out of any kind of like emotional funk. Cause I'm just like, oh, I'm just, the, I'm the worst because I'm a terrible golfer. That means I'm going to be bad at everything for the rest of my life. So anyway, yeah. So let me talk about me for a second. No, uh, please, <laughs> <laughs> please do go ahead. This is, this is good stuff. So cool. Yeah. So, um, I was offended in that moment and he goes, you need, you just uh, need to ask Jesus what the difference is between a worship leader and a worship pastor. And he mm. walked away. Oh, wow. And I was like, just rocked sitting in my little cubicle as the associate worship pastor of this mega church, you know, just how do I process this? I'm, I'm a young guy too, you know, the male brain isn't fully formed. I think science uh, has some data on this until like they're 28 years old or something like that. So mm. very impressionable season yeah. and really uh, confused and weird time, you know? So anyway, after I kind of got over myself, because I was really working on forgiveness in that season my, of my life sure, and making that um, not just regular practice, but a personal value 
And so I did the forgiveness stuff and went back to the Lord and just said, all right, so what about that is true? What about that is not true? And I just felt like I started getting some coaching from God about the difference between worship leading and worship pastoring. Hmm. And um, those were some really profound insights. I could tell you one or two of them if you'd be interested in hearing. I would love it because I think that's really important. Cool. Yeah, one of them was um, when you kind of strip down the pastor um, idea, it's just when you walk with somebody for a long time, where they're at in the direction of Jesus. And that was not a concept that I was trained in or used to at that time. So that really made sense to me when I started wrapping my head around the compassion piece, because I was actually like standing up leading worship and I would command people to do stuff. I'd be like, (laughs) um, you know, raise your hands or shout or jump or whatever. I'm telling people what to do. And culturally, if you have a microphone and you're standing on the stage, a lot of people in the congregation will just do what you say, unless it's super weird, you know, right, but right. in general, they'll sing and they'll clap and they'll dance and all that stuff and yep. or whatever. So, um, so what I was doing was I was commanding people to do things instead of inviting them into an exploratory mm. uh, opportunity with God mm-hmm. um, and taking the pressure out of it. I was like loading up the pressure yep. and saying, you know, do this, do that. And when they didn't do it, I would get angry. Yeah. Like, what is your problem? Why aren't you responding? You bunch of dead sheep or whatever, you know, like, so I had this yeah. negative. Yeah. I had this super negative view. And, um, of course that's not a pastoral view. Yeah. Uh, pastor pastors, people with a genuine gift of pastoring are compassionate. They're understanding. Um, and they're, they've got some patience and long suffering. That's yep. kind of amazing. And I didn't have any of that, you know? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that he confronted me on right away, or I don't know, confronted me on, but more like taught me was the power of an invitation. Mm. So he'd be like, instead of telling people what to do, just invite them to try it and let the pressure out. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would, I started doing that each weekend. I started saying, Hey, I just want to invite you to try something. Maybe you just try lifting your hands. I know that for some of you, it's going to be weird. Some of you, you're like, I'm already brand new at this church thing. And we're doing Christian karaoke and we're looking up at the screen (laughs) and everybody's singing songs. And this is just kind of a weird deal anyway. Um, And so then you're going to see people raising hands and you're going to be like, what the heck is this? I don't even know how to process this. Um, but I just, you know, it probably won't kill you if you try it, yeah. and God likes it. It yeah. says it all over the Bible that God enjoys it when people lift their hands. And so, I just want to invite you to try doing something that Jesus likes. Yeah. And so, I I started inviting people into that. And then I kept talking to the Lord about what it meant to pastor people. And he said, you know, the thing that really equips people to do what I called them to do, and really to be who I called them to be, is my word. And so... Mm-hmm. How about this? Just substitute a song on a weekend and uh, instead just read a Bible verse and invite people to try doing what the Bible says, Hmm. which was a brand new idea for me. And so I started doing that. And I think when I got to that church, it was probably uh, 1,100 people in attendance or something. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe two people total in the two Sunday morning services were raising their hands or something. Because hmm. it was a little bit more conservative environment, sure. you know? Yeah. So over the year and a half of just reading a Bible verse each week, inviting people to try it, and then just kind of inviting people to explore the space of worship, the thing, the church grew to about 2,300 people, but the interaction in musical worship was crazy different, man. Yeah. People were like, I'd say 85% of the people, hands up, singing, on their knees, tears streaming down their cheeks. Mm. Uh, just real genuine and beautiful. And it's not because they were charismatic or something. I think I started getting the feeling that it was just because they were taking a risk with me yeah. to actually do what the Bible says. Yep. And some stuff started occurring to me about that. Like, I think it was um, Brendan Manning who said that in his opinion, the leading cause of atheism in the world today is, is Christians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, they acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Right. And the idea there is that, I don't know, maybe we complicate things a bit in the church. Maybe it's maybe reaching quote, reaching the world is a little bit easier conceptually. I'm not saying that it's, well, let me rephrase that. It's simple conceptually. It may be not sure. easy to do, right? but maybe the world is waiting for Jesus people to do Jesus words. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not like a whole lot more complicated than that. Right. Um, if he says love people, then just love people. Wait, what? Whoa. Yeah, what? I know. I so know. What the? What the? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, revolutionary man. ideas here. I know. Jeez. Um, anyway, I've been monologuing, bro. Sorry about that. Oh, no, Jump you're in. good. You're good. This is, um, man, I, there's I, one of the things that, that we believe at, at Torn Curtain Arts is that like, stories, stories are super powerful. And so, um, the things that you have learned and, and the way that you're able to express those just in, just in sharing your story, um, you know, in the way that you have is, I mean, I'm, I'm already goosebumpy, um, you know, hearing, hearing about a lot of this stuff. Um, and there was something that you said and I forgot to write it down. So if it comes back to me, I'll come back to it. But, um, but yeah, um, that's man, what, what good insight and especially into the, like the worship leader, worship pastor dynamic, because I think that, that a lot of people get into, get into worship leading because they, because they want to see those kinds of things happen. They want to see the hands raised. They want to see the people, you know, crying or they want, like they want those responses that they've either experienced themselves in a worship setting or that, you know, or that they, you know, see on videos or, or whatever that is. Like they want, they want to be able to elicit that kind of response. And the thing is, is like those, those kinds of things, like what you were talking about only come through trust. Like, Mm. you know, I, your, your congregation saw you on stage and yes, you probably were as your, you know, as your pastor pointed out, you were probably really good at leading a song or a group of songs. And, you know, but you were missing that, that trust piece of like being able to shepherd people through a moment. And, and I feel like there are so many worship leaders that miss that part, you know, Mm. of like, Oh no, the, the reason that no one's following me is because they don't trust me. They don't hmm. like they they don't get this sense that I actually care about them. They just you know uh, they just you know 
our worship leader just yells at us to do stuff and it really is, <laughs> is disconcerting, you know, and, and man, I've been there. Like those were my early days of, of leading worship was like, I started out, you know, leading worship for like high school groups and led worship a little bit at, you know, at a Christian college, you know, leading worship for Christian college students, especially in the like late nineties, early two thousands, that's shooting fish in a barrel, man. Like <laughs> you can, you can make them do whatever you want, <laughs> and, that's right. uh, you know, but you know, once I started working in the church, it was a totally different experience and it was a totally, it was it was wholly frustrating too. Like mm. what is, this is not at all. Like, why aren't they doing, you know, why aren't they just doing what Jesus says? I wasn't exemplifying through my leadership, you know, the, the kinds of things that I wanted to see that church become and that church, you know, experience in worship. And so, mm. like you said, it, it, it takes so much. And it's thing is like, it's easy. It's easy to get up on stage and lead a song and, and to, you know, sing it exactly the way that, you know, those guys from Passion do or th- those guys from Bethel do it or whatever. It's a lot harder to care about your people. It's a lot harder right. to, to pay attention to where your people are and say like, oh, we're, we're not at the hand raising part yet. Like <laughs> we're, we're right, right now, we're still just at the like, hey, let's just acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is here with us, part, you know, <laughs> yeah. like let's, let's, let's jump one hurdle before we, before we try to jump over the next one. So, um, so man, that's, yeah, that's such good insight. Um, that's, that's really good stuff. Where, like, so where did you go from there? So you were, you're at this church, you're learning these great lessons where, like, where was the next step in that, in that journey? You know, um, the next step was we just jumped right into doing a nonprofit. And I think, mm. Because somewhere between there, while I was learning the difference between worship leading and worship pastoring, something happened that was really profound. And it was like one Sunday morning, we were sitting there taking communion together, and everybody was seated. We were singing, Here I Am to Worship. What a beauty. Yeah. Um, and we got into the bridge that I'll never know how much it cost. Mm-hmm. That whole bit. Yep. And, um, Man, God just started tenderizing my heart. I broke down. I started crying. I got on my knees. Mm. And um, nobody had really noticed. I just got down on my knees and I was just crying. Yeah. And was singing and worshiping. And um, something started happening where um, the music started building. You know, you're coming out of the bridge. You go into the chorus. And at that time, I'm like uh, singing so high that, like dolphins could hear you uh, and that's about it, you know? So you, you know, I'd go into the final chorus and you're just screaming like mostly oh, yeah. out of tune, you know? And um, when I stood up and sang, um, I didn't ask anybody to stand up or, or do anything, but there's this thing that happened where everybody started standing up simultaneously, hands are up. Like mm. I had mentioned before, tears are streaming down their face. I remember this one lady, uh, Kirsten sitting on the front row Mm. and she was just caught up in something other than what was happening on the stage. Right. And people were weeping and crying and we held this moment Mm. and just like, let it sit. And we just worshiped and worshiped. And, um, uh, and I just sat there and cried for the whole time. The, one of the reasons why I was crying was because when I stood up and looked around, 
the eyes weren't on what was happening on the stage anymore. Mm. And I had this sense that in that moment, I was forgotten. Hmm. And it was one of the most profound, like joyful feelings ever. Because like culturally, we celebrate uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And what can you do to stand out in the crowd and, yeah. and uh, stand out from the crowd? And in the kingdom of God, I kind of wonder if maybe part of our roles as worship leaders is to create environments where we are forgotten because Jesus is so much the focus mm. and so much the point yeah. of what we're doing there. And that was one of those moments. It was the first time that I was like, I, I felt like I could have walked off the stage and nothing would have changed because nobody's looking. Right. And um, I, I started hungering for that, Brian. I started mm. like, how can we get into environments where people would say afterwards, I have no idea who's leading worship there. I just remember <laughs> Jesus rocked me that night. Yeah. No idea what even happened up on the stage. I had mm. such a profound experience with Jesus. And my heart really started desiring that. And so it was like 2006 when I was um, praying one night. I'd just gone to this gathering. Uh, my mom is a, a missionary, like a Bible teacher and missionary around the world. Um, okay. She does stuff with YWAM all over. Okay. And so she had just started a nonprofit organization called Get the Word Out. And her whole thing is just... What would it be like for 24 hours to immerse yourself in the word, not just like in sitting down and reading it, but in engaging in the word in a variety of different, really creative ways? And what yeah. would it do for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I got totally rocked when I went to that. And, you know, I just went to support my mom. I didn't really truthfully sure. go because I wanted to grow spiritually, really. I was uh, just wanting to help and support her. And mm-hmm. I got up ended by God, Hmm. man. And so it really started like, I would stay up till two or three in the morning, just praying and roaming around the streets and getting pulled over by the cops. It was hilarious. (laughs) They'd be like, Hey man, you doing okay? It's like two in the morning. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm doing really good. And they were like, huh? So like, do you have a fight at home? Did you, is everything cool? You been at the bar? What's going on? I was like, no dude, I'm out here praying. And I was like, can I pray for you? You know? And they'd be like, Whoa, we got to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, it's funny. There's a there's a fine line between someone's who someone who's having like a spiritual awakening, and someone who's you know on crack at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, roaming roaming the streets. But uh, <laughs> that is a hundred percent true. So um, so anyway, during that season, I was really hanging out with God a lot and just developing a friendship with Him, mm-hmm. um, which I'd love to talk about a little bit later. And sure. um, I felt like he said, Hey, I want you to be a missionary. And at mm. that point I was like, Am, is this my own thoughts? Is this from God? First of all, it, it couldn't be my own thought because the last thing I want to be is a missionary. I don't want to raise money. I don't want to talk about people or talk to people about the project, the vision or whatever. I'm not into it. Right. So I pulled like a little three-year-old temper tantrum and I was like, Lord, if you want me to do that, you're going to have to tell Tara, my wife. <laughs> and uh, I'm not bringing it up to her at all. So that's all you. Uh, so like two days later, we're hanging out, me and Tara, and uh, she come comes up to me and she's like, hey, this is weird and kind of out of left field, but I feel like God might be calling us to step away from our jobs at the churches and be missionaries. Hmm. And I was like, dang it. No, no. It's the worst. He called your bluff. He did, dude. <clears throat> Big time. 
And so, you know, I was like, but God, I don't know how to do a nonprofit. And he's like, come on, man, Google it. Let's go. Let's figure it out. Yeah. You know, pick some, pick some people's brains. And so we started this nonprofit called Worship and the Word. And the goal of it was just to cruise around to different churches all over the world and, and speak and lead worship. And so I wrote down all my ministry friends and who I could start reaching out to, you know, the hot leads, the cold leads, the medium right. or warm leads. Yeah. Yep. And I'm trying to figure out how it's all going to work financially and stuff. And I figure, okay, well, I'll just charge like 500 bucks every time I lead worship or speak or whatever. And if I do that four times a week or four times a month, and I'm like doing all this math. So I take it one night to the Lord and I was like, okay, Lord, this is kind of what, what I got going. What do you think? And he goes, yeah, I think you can take that piece of paper and chuck it in the garbage. <laughs> I was like, what? For real? He goes, yeah. I said, I just spent all this time on this. He goes, yeah, I know you did. Uh, chuck it in the garbage, man. And I was like, why? He goes, because Dave, in the world, it's all in who you know. I said, I know. That's why I have this list of people that I know. Yeah. He said, right, but if you know me, I know everybody. Hmm. So you have a decision to make. You can either spend your life begging me to bless your ideas mm. or you can find out what I'm already doing and jump in. Yeah. He's like, I'm not looking for a bunch of sexy speakers or amazing worship leaders to change the world from stages. I'm looking for normal people to tell me yes. Right. Whatever I ask them to do, just say yes. That's all I'm looking for. Yeah. I don't need all the sexy trappings, just, just people that are normal saying yes. And so I was like, okay, uh, so what you're saying is you just want me to wait and people will call me. He's like, yep, that's exactly it. I'm like, come on, dude. I'm envisioning myself like 900 pounds, big bag of Doritos on my chest, <laughs> watching TV, you know, uh, doing nothing, um, going into massive debt. And right. so, um, as it turns out, I, I said, okay to that. And, um, then I was like, okay, well, what about the money piece? And he said, well, you know that bit about being a missionary? Like, I want you to invite people to invest in you so that when you go minister at places, I never want you to ask anybody for money. Hmm. I was like, what? You uh, Essentially, you want me to raise my own money so that I can pay to work. Right. <laughs> Not work <laughs> and then get paid, but pay to be there. Uh -huh. pay for my travel, pay for the whole thing. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I was like, why? Why would you say that? I, other people get to do it different. Why do I have to do it this way? You know, <sighs> being like, a, you know, kind of just being a weenie. Yep. And um, he said, because bro, you don't trust me with finances. Hmm. And you'll start making decisions based on money instead of based on my leading. Oh, wow. You'll say yes to everything. And what if you get this really rad church that calls you up and pays you all this money, but I want you to be out on the Eastern Plains of Kansas to, with a little church of 50 that's not going to pay you anything. Right. What, what if I, so you'll miss that if you just go for the money. Yeah. And you don't want to be missing the stuff that I created you to do. I mean, I know your heart. Hmm. You want to be a part of what I'm doing. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I just, I just, I'm not used to thinking like this, man. This is going to take me a minute right? to, you know, reconfigure my brains. And so yeah. we started doing that, man. And people, huh, 
they started calling, man, from all over the world. I didn't wow. know probably 60, 65% of them. I'd tell them, how in the world, like, who are you, first of all? And how did you hear about me? I'm not marketing. Right. I don't have a website. Uh, I just quit this church and I started, I just said yes to God, basically, and you're calling. Wow. And um, they said, oh, yeah, you know, we were talking to this guy who knows you or whatever. And so we just thought you'd be a good fit. And I said, well, you've never heard me sing. I could be totally tone deaf. I could be like the worst. <laughs> I could be a terrible communicator. You know, you're taking uh, a risk. And they said, we get it. But yeah. we want you to come anyway. Wow. And so, man, for the last 14 years, with the exception of the COVID stuff, <laughs> sure, I've been uh, all over the world, like almost 25 countries. and and leading worship and speaking over a hundred times a year for 14 years. And Man. I've only asked for two of those things. I set two things up in 14 years out wow. of over 1400 events. Man. And, um, and both of them sucked. <laughs> they were the worst. Oh my oh, gosh. You think I'd learn after the first one, like, yeah, that was not a good idea, but oh, wow. I totally didn't learn that lesson. I <laughs> sucked it up again and did it again. And it was horrible. Oh man. So anyway, it's just been a trip, man. It's been really a weird journey of God kind of uh, trying to intentionally break down my pride, get me into a space where my heart's a little bit more moldable and shapeable right. and influenceable, if mm. that's a word. Yeah. What, and um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, it's been it's been really weird and really an interesting ride. Yeah, definitely an interesting ride. But man, uh, one that is marked with a lot of just faithfulness and provision. And man, that is that's inspiring. Uh, it's frustrating too because I feel like I have also tried to do that. And it's gone a different way, but um, no, just yeah. uh, it, it has gone different ways from time to time. God has just found different ways of of you know providing for me and and taking that's me right. on a different path. And and I think that's just that's so important to remember. Like you know, we we see you know we see worship leaders or we see these you know kind of for lack of a better term, superstar Christians out in the world. And we think like, oh man, yeah, I'm just going to go do that. And right. we don't think about like the story that was written on that person's life and the, and the ways that God got that person to that place. And it's, it's just easy to look at the end result and say like, oh yeah, now I'm going to totally just do that. And but totally. God's God's going to have different ways of getting different people to different places, and and that's right. I'm I'm super grateful for for the way that He has led you to the place where you are. Um, a couple of things I want to I want to pick your brain about, um, and they're they're kind of related. So I'm going to lump kind of these two questions into one. As you as you look at church ministry specifically. Um, and and it's, it sounds like you're still fairly active in, you know, in helping, you know, helping lead worship in the church and, and things like that. Um, so when, when you look at the culture of, of worship within the church nowadays, um, and, and some of this could be from your own, you know, when you were in, you know, when you were working in a local church, but as you kind of bounce around from place to place and look from the outside in, um, what observations and, and what frustrations or what troubles you, I guess, about 
and maybe you don't, maybe nothing troubles you about what's going on in worship in the church today. And that that's fine. Um, but what, what do you see going on in worship in the church today that either, so yeah, we'll put it this way. What, what energizes you and what gives you a lot of hope about the culture of worship in the church? But what are some things that you see going on within the church that you think maybe some, maybe set off some warning flags for you or set off some, some red lights uh, in, in your mind? Yeah, <clears throat> good questions. Um, uh, let's see. One of the things that is uh, tough is watching a lack of genuine friendship in the church leadership. Mm. So, Oh, man. Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> the way that I was raised to understand church leadership was there's generally, generally like one person at the top and they kind of get the vision and they, you know, have a team that help uh, uh, kind of distribute all the tasks associated to that vision. And if you're not on board, then you get chucked. And if you mm. are on board, then you're awesome. And uh, you get invited to work like 90 hours a week on behalf of the dream <laughs> and the vision. And uh, it's so cool. Yes. And so invited into, you get the privilege right. of working for 90 hours a week. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, so because of that kind of hierarchical construct, um, there's a sense that leaders can't be friends with each other because they have to hmm. keep their structures intact. Yep. Um, and it's not like it's something that people say intentionally, like we can't be friends outright, but there's sure. just distance that people create because of their roles and responsibilities. Yeah. And um, so when I talk about uh, how I, for years, um, kind of align myself with that style of ministry, yeah. I really had some major crash and burn moments that helped me to view it a different way and kind of pursue it a different way mm. where instead of leading with vision, you're leading with friendship. Mm. And when you, you know, like I was reading a book by Patrick Lencioni one time called the five dysfunctions of a team. Yep. And it's a great book. Chapter one is about trust. You know, the big things that all teams struggle with is trust. Right. And the idea that Lencioni was pitching in there was that trust is developed through storytelling. Hmm. Yeah. And if you have trust, then you can have friendship. Right. And so the story kind of, uh, you know, encapsulates it beautifully where you have kind of a top-down vision-oriented leader leave and a, a relational leader comes in and helps everybody kind of transition by creating opportunities for people on the team to tell stories. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started doing that with my team. I started elevating opportunities for storytelling, not just like your Jesus stories, but right. the stories of like, you know, who's your third grade teacher and when was the last time you're in a natural disaster and top three nations you go to if money wasn't an issue or whatever, right. you know, just getting to know people's past. And as a result of that process, you start permissioning the people around the table into your past mm -hmm. and simultaneously, almost without knowing it, you start permissioning them into the present. Right. 
And I always just did that opposite. I would go like, what's going on with you right now? And how are you feeling right now? But I don't have the trust in play to get access to those places with people right away, you know? So what I'm seeing in worship, you know, the worship stuff most, um, in most cases that, that frustrates me and, and makes me sad is that there's not a culture of friendship or storytelling or trust Hmm. at the leadership level, uh, worship leaders, pastors, all the way across the board. And because of that, um, you see a lot of worship leaders feeling misunderstood, feeling frustrated, feeling yeah. unheard. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the worship leaders that feel that way. Nope. It's the pastors too. Yeah. And it's other ministry leaders that are on the team that don't feel seen and heard because, <clears throat> you know, that culture of friendship isn't in play. Yeah. And so, um, boy, that really has a tremendous effect on the vibe of the weekend, yeah. but more than that, it has a profound effect on the community outside the context of the weekend. Absolutely. And so, you know, I would like to see people be better friends and, yeah. you know, I've experimented with some ways and actually had some really cool stuff happen, but I would just say that there's, yeah, that's the thing that bothers me um, yeah. that I think is really having a profound impact on church communities and leadership teams. Um, Anything you want to respond to there? No, I mean, so, uh, so Paul, my, my partner, Torn Curtin, he and I, we were part of this uh, kind of business, uh, like a small business club, um, just trying to, you know, we're both artists, so we don't know what the heck we're doing, you know, Uh with all this stuff. So we're, we're trying to find help wherever we can. And it's really interesting you know, to, to be in a room with, with these business leaders and, and the ones that we're, that we're with are more kind of in the, more of the, like the participation age type of business where it's, yeah. you know, you know, flat salaries, no vacation time, those kinds of things where it's like, yep. you know, we're actually going to trust our employees to do the job that, that energizes them and, and go do it. What I find interesting is like how different that is from, from church culture uh, and and church staff culture where it is very isolated everything is in silos like you need to do your job and the children's ministry people will do their job and the executive team will do their job and the senior pastor will do his job and nobody's relating to one another and so yeah we see that and i think where that came from is you know when church started to adopt a lot of kind of big business practices you know like when I remember one of the first like leadership conferences I went to uh, from Willow Creek. Like I remember there, there wasn't a single, well, there probably were, but the, the vast majority of people who were speaking were people from like fortune 500 companies and, and these big business, you know, conglomerates and all that kind of stuff. And there was so much cachet wrapped up in it. Like, you know, Oh, this is, you know, so-and-so from, from this great crazy business and you probably own, you know, their products are all over your shelves and all that stuff. But it was all very much this like hierarchical, you know, business structure and like, it's all like, let's not, we don't bother the CEO. The CEO tells us what to do and we go out and we do it and we're just the minions for the boss. And I was like, man, 
that has really seeped into church staff culture a lot. And it's isolated so many people, but it's also gotten so many leaders in trouble. You know, you've got, you know, you've got church leaders who think that they're untouchable and unimpeachable and that they're just so like, they can do anything. And it's got, it's caused, I mean, even in your story, you know, like people, you know, church leaders who think they can get away with, with just about anything, including, you know, inappropriate contact with, you know, people on their teams and all of that. So anyway, what you're saying just, I think really, oh no, did I lose you? Are you back? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Where did, where, okay, great. Yeah. Did, did you drop out? I did. Okay. I dropped out for pretty much that entire thing. Um, yeah, so, so all good. I heard was fortune 500 companies and then it was gone. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, well, well, I'll find a, I'll find an edit point in there. Um, cause it probably still grabbed okay. my audio. Um, but, um, but yeah, so just this, this idea of like big business and, and their hierarchical business structures infiltrating the church, um, and, and church staff culture, like has had a profound effect on how we relate to one another. You know, we have, we have Absolutely. all these hierarchical ideas of like, you know, well, that person is, is the boss. I, I probably can't talk to that person. And, and then the higher ups thinking like, well, these are my, you know, these are my loyal subjects. I will just send them out to prepare the weekend. And, you know, and, and no one ever talks about, yeah, there, there are no relationships on church staffs. You know, I mean, it, it probably, it took me, it probably took me three, three church ministry jobs before I felt comfortable doing anything social or like, you know, being in any kind of friendship type relationship with the people that I worked with. And that just, man, and, and some of that was my doing, you know, like I, I'm not being an introvert. I'm not a person that's going to be like, Hey everybody, let's go out for beers after, you know, after we're done here at the office, <laughs> you know, I, but at the same time, like there were no intentional structures built in to say like, Hey, let's bear each other's burdens. Let's share with one another. Yeah. Let's, let's be in each other's lives outside of what we're doing on a Sunday morning, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's a, that's an insidious, you know, kind of, it's, it's just, it's really, it's been really harmful. Um, and especially for, yeah, that worship leader, senior pastor dynamic too, like that can be really toxic for that dynamic because it's like what, yes, what we are doing on the weekend is really important, but like there, there has to be some relational equity there and, and some sort of some sort of friendship and some sort of relationship that takes place outside of just like, I sing my three songs and now the senior pastor gets up and he does his thing. You know, like if we're, you know, if we're not on the same page, if our hearts aren't connected in some way, you can probably put on a good show for a while, but it's never going to, eventually that tension is going to build up and it's, it will overflow onto the platform, you know, and, and will impact your congregation and it'll impact the rest of the church staff. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. That is a, that's a huge frustration. What, what would you, what would you see as a, and maybe you identified this and I just missed it, but like, and and you had mentioned, you know, you did that with your teams. How would you recommend doing that for a worship leader who's feeling isolated from 
say his leadership, you know, aside from asking them like, you know, who is your third grade teacher? Can you identify any ways that, <laughs> that people might, you know, might be able to kind of heal that or, or make that relationship tighter and, and, and break down some of those walls? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think that there's an art to question asking. Mm. And like, uh, I haven't read very much, much of John Maxwell's books, but he's got a killer book called good leaders ask great questions. Mm. And it basically just hones in on the art of question asking how to do it. Yeah. And, um, it seems like if you're going to build and develop relationships and friendships in any area of your life at work or at home or whatever, um, that people that ha are skilled in question asking learn way more than, oh, you know, yeah. people that don't. Yep. Um, if I was going to give some counsel to a, a worship leader about how to engage in a conversation like that with the senior pastor, for instance, Mm -hmm. I would uh, advise that worship leader to sit down and say, I want to hear your story. Mm. Like, where were you born? And uh, where'd you go to school? And what was your first car? And, you know, just yeah. like as they lay out the story, if they're willing to tell you, um, ask follow-up questions, the yeah. who, what, when, where, why, how type of follow-up questions. And you can get into so many cool stories. Yeah. I remember one time I was, I was um, the leader of 24-7 Prayer USA. So I was the director mm -hmm. of kind of a national prayer movement several years ago. Yeah. And there's a guy on our team that I could not figure out. <laughs> and I wanted to connect with him, but there was – you know how it is like when you meet somebody that relationally, you just go, wow, there's just, just a disconnect. I got yeah. nothing. I don't yeah. know how to move forward with this relationship at all. You just kind of feel stuck. Um, I was talking to a buddy of, of mine about this. He's a great guy, great wisdom. And he goes, oh man, I had the same issue with that guy. All you need to do is ask him a story. Yeah. He goes, I had such a difficult time getting to know him until I asked him his story. That guy opened up like a flower and we're buds permanently from now on. Wow. And I thought, huh, well, maybe it was an aberration. Maybe if I ask him, I won't have the same response. <laughs> but I did. I just called him up on the phone. And, man, our conversations have been just tough and awkward. Not, not hard or hateful or weird, but just difficult. You know, it was sure. like pulling teeth. And I said, man, could you just tell me your story? I just want to hear it. Yeah. The guy just opened up exactly like my buddy said, opened up like a flower and started yeah. talking. Yeah. And now there's rapport, there's connectivity happening between us. And it's, it was like a ball game changer. Yeah. Um, as simple as it sounds, that, that entry level question followed up by some who, what, when, where, why, how type of questions. Yeah. And it's like a beautiful starting point to establish relational equity. Yeah. 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 It, it goes back to, you know, some of the stuff we talked about early on, like it, 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 it builds trust, you know, it, it's, if I can, if I feel That's like right. I can trust you with my story, which are some of the most vulnerable parts of my life, like then I can trust you with, I can trust you with anything, you know? So 
man, that's, that's really good stuff. Um, yeah. I, I, would, I have another thought that I'd love to contribute. Yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Jeez. No, not at all. Not at all. You are, you are my guest. So all right, please, sweet. please share um, your, share your knowledge. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> I guess another thing that is sad or, or worrisome, I guess, in some ways is you articulated earlier, I can't remember if it was before the podcast started when we were just talking, mm-hmm. but it's just the idea that culturally worship leaders are wired up for the weekend. At least that's how their job descriptions are kind of pitched Yeah. in, most, in many cases. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's kind of your focus and aim. And so you're not really hanging out with Jesus Mm. apart from preparation for the weekend, unless something bad happens in your family or, you know, if your family member gets sick or if you get fall into a weird spot or whatever, then you can kind of talk to him about those things. But even that is really transactional Yep. and not relational at all. It's like, Hey God, I want to hang out with you because you're going to help me prep for this weekend and crush it. Mm. Well, I mean, how would you like it if you had a friend that was like, look, the only reason I want to hang out with you is because you're going to get me a big W this weekend. Right. You're going to get me a win. You wouldn't be motivated to hang out with those people because you'd understand the reason you're hanging out with me is transactional in nature. It's not relational. Yeah. And so, you know, there's this aspect where worship leaders, um, their primary function and leadership is to actually have a friendship with Jesus personally and spend time worshiping that has nothing to do with the weekend. Yep. Like, and I see that all the time. Mm -hmm. People aren't just sitting down grabbing their instrument or just acapella or whatever and, or going on a motorcycle ride or whatever their thing is and just spending time with God. It's not a read through the Bible in a year program, even though I'm super cool with that. It's not a duty. It's not a task. It's not an accomplishment. It's not transactional. It's just being with God. Mm. It's learning to hear his voice. It's processing loss in his presence. It's spending time in worship, generous amounts of time in worship so that Mm. when you get into the weekend environment, you can lead people to new places because you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. You've been to those new places. You've explored in the presence of God and you, you know, you can introduce people to new things and new ideas or old things and old ideas that they're not used to or, or familiar with. And so I think that, um, because of the corporate nature, like what you were talking about there, um, there's this concept that church is organizational primarily, at least from a leadership standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I've heard the Trinity talked about in the context of a Trinitarian family, mm-hmm. not in the context of a Trinitarian business or right. structure. Right. And so it's so funny because we'll sit here and pray things like, God, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you're talking to a family. Yep. And as soon as it hits the church atmosphere, it turns into a business. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, that is not good. It's yeah. a family. Yeah. Um, oh, man. You know, and so uh, I know that in the 
90s, there was this thing called the fathering movement or something like that, mm. where they were just really harping on this idea of uh, familial structures. But kind of all it was was same old authoritarian top-down structure, but now I'm your dad, you know? Right. <laughs> and it was like, oh, geez, that's a, that's a great way to get some PTSD going in the leadership oh, staff. And also geez. engender some tremendous... Um, uh, like authority issues and lack of trust and all that stuff because right. all of our families are nuts. And so, right. exactly. And oh, so man. it's so weird. It's like, okay, well, if our families are nuts in our experience, but we're supposed to lead with family, what does that mean? And how does it work? And how does it function? And the best way that I can say it is that genuine friendship leads to a sense of authentic family. Mm. Wow. And, yeah. So anyway, hmm. so, yeah, again, sorry for the rant there, but no, I man. think that uh, I think that when worship leaders don't actually spend time developing a genuine friendship with Jesus themselves, wh- where in the world are they leading people? Just in a sing-song time then. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, yeah. I'm disinterested in leading sing-song times anymore, man. Oh, me too, me too. And I think there are a lot of worship leaders that, that feel the same way. Like, yeah. they're just they're they're tired of getting up and feeling like you know like you said like like a karaoke machine you know um and uh it's there's one one thought that i had a quote from darlene check that i heard years ago um huh. she said your most powerful worship experience should never happen in public um, beautiful yeah and it, i mean not to say that you know you're not going to have powerful worship experiences in public you certainly are but if that's what you're relying on you know, if if you're just relying on that Sunday morning to be like, this is the this is the time that every you know this is the culmination of all of my worship experience. Like, no, <laughs> it probably should have happened on like Wednesday or Thursday yeah. when you were just like sitting alone in your you know in your office or whatever people have you know nowadays for you know for a space they go to, but in your prayer closet. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, the old the old school. Um, the old school thing. Um, but yeah, yeah I, that just, that resonated with me as, as you were talking about that. Hey, I would love to know, um, thank you for all of that. That is so good. Um, tell me a little bit more about mountain city, a little bit more about worship in the word. Um, and, uh, yeah, just how can we, how can we hear more of you? Um, I guess cool. is, is what I'm, what I'm asking. All right on. Thanks man. Yeah. Um, Worship in the Word, you can find that website at worshipandtheword.com. And actually, man, like in March, we started releasing music. I've never really released worship music. um, And I just felt this nudge last year to start doing that. And uh, I started with a couple of songs that I had recorded and never really released about nine years ago. And so they feel like a little dated and they're not as... Uh, clean and crisp and all that stuff as I wanted, but I, I just wanted to start, you know, kind of make the commitment to put something out there. And so um, you can find that on all streaming platforms. Okay. Um, we've released four songs so far. And truthfully, the heart of it is more of a collaborative effort mm. where it's, it's not just us putting out music, but, right. um, but really hoping to collaborate with different uh, worship leaders and thought leaders on song creation and um, just 
trying to write stuff that Jesus enjoys (laughs) and that also people could, you know, enjoy as well. So that's kind of been a cool process. Um, And then, uh, you know, we're on all the social media platforms and all that stuff. You just type in worship and the word and you'll find us. Um, The mountain city stuff is all, is the same. It's all one word mountain city and it's on all streaming platforms. And, uh, one of the reasons I love Mountain City is um, back in about 2008, I was hanging out with Jesus in the mountains, the Rocky Mountains here in Colorado. And uh, I was having this interesting conversation with him. And he just kind of spoke to my heart and said, would you like to know one of the reasons that you're alive? Wow. Like one of these identity <laughs> statement well, things. Well, I was y- like, y- uh, yes, please. yeah, <laughs> yeah, please. I'm all ears on that. And um, he goes, Okay, so relationally, you have a pattern where you'll hang out with somebody, and while you're meeting with them, in the back of your mind, you're sitting there thinking, I wonder what I can find out about them, and then I wonder if there's anything they can do to help my dream succeed. Mm. So basically, it's kind of a jacked up way to, not kind of, it's a super jacked up way to try to have relationship with people because you're just looking to take from them. Sure. And so he goes, okay, so you have this pattern going, and what I want you to do is begin to shift away from what can these people do for me and into, I wonder what I can do to help these people. Yeah. And so um, he said, one of the reasons you're alive on planet Earth today is to help people identify and pursue their dreams. Mm. Whoa, man, that was like fundamental for me because I was just trying, I was busy pursuing my own dreams, not helping people pursue their dreams. So it was a big switch for me. And um, about five or six years ago, I had always talked to my wife, Tara, about her desire for songwriting and Mm -hmm. um, singing and performing. Since she was a little girl, people have come up to her and just said, hey, I just feel like God wants you to know he's going to use you to write or he's going to partner with you to write songs and um, Mm. uh, all this stuff. And so that had been a a dream in her heart that had never been pursued or realized. And so, yeah, five, six years ago, I started thinking, whoa, I've been helping all these other people pursue their dreams. I wonder what it would be like to help Tara pursue her dreams, Mm. my wife. Wow. And so I actually scaled back on a bunch of other projects and started pouring myself into helping her pursue her dream. Hmm. And by the way, it's, it's pretty rad for me because I'm doing what I'm called to do, but I also get to create space for my wife to shine. Right. And that has been not only a learning experience, but it's just been fantastic because she's been on this identity journey of finding out who she is and how she thinks and you know, what God thinks about her and all this different stuff. And the confidence level is like surging internally for her as she roots deeper into what God thinks about her and is actually like daring to believe it Wow! or at least some of it, you know? And so, (laughs) um, you know, cause we're all on a journey, right? So I don't know, man, it's, it's been so cool just sitting down and partnering with her to write and release songs that matter to us and, hopefully matter to others. And, yeah. um, so yeah. yeah, well, I can, I can, can find say, us, you know, yeah. all over. Oh yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely, um, 
we'll link all that uh, in in our social media stuff as well, so that people can people can find you uh, easily. Um, and I, I will say this: like this, the stuff that you've sent uh, to me to listen to, and I mean, I, I always love getting those getting those texts every once in a while. Hey, man, we just released a new song. Um, will yeah. you listen to it. Let me know what you think, man. I, the stuff that you're putting out is. It, it it's obvious that it is meaningful to you. Like I, I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of songwriters that that put out music because it they know that it'll sell or they know that it'll you know it's got a hook that everybody's going to listen to. And so like you know oh man we're going to get you know a billion streams. Like uh, yeah, I, I know that you guys are doing that stuff too. Like you, I mean you are you are a hustler, not like in the bad sense, not like you're not trying to like cheat people out of money. Like you hustle yeah. and you work hard to get, to get your music in front of people and to get it into their ears. But I think it's not because, you know, like, Oh God, we got to keep the lights on or I want to be rolling in a, you know, fat Mercedes Benz. Like, no, I think it's because you care so much about your music and it's because you care about other people hearing good music you know it's those are things that are obvious to me when i hear the stuff that you're putting out and so um so yeah keep doing that and and yeah please do like keep encouraging tara like that is a lesson that i learned way too late um as far as like just championing your wife and championing the people around you to be better like Mm. dude keep keep pouring into that because it's it's good stuff that you guys are putting into the world. Um, and so, uh, yeah, keep cranking it out, man. Keep hustling, keep doing your thing. Cause it's, um, it's having, a, it's having an impact. So, um, Brian, thank you so much, man. Uh, I'm sitting here smiling ear to ear, just oh. thankful for your encouragement <laughs> and, um, and thank you for saying that, man. Yeah. I'm a words of encouragement guy. So oh. that was really, really, uh, oh. meaningful to me. Thank you. Well, yeah, you bet. Of course. Of course. Um, man, I want to thank you so much for, uh, like, again, just taking the time and, and, uh, talking to me about your journey and your story and life and ministry. And I know it's going to be encouraging to other worship leaders, uh, who, who are going to listen to this and, and, um, man, just keep, like I said, keep doing what you're doing and, um, we'll, yeah, and let's, let's do this again. I think that, um, I feel like we just scratched the surface with some of this stuff and I'd love to hear more about, you know, your perspective on ministry and life and, and also your perspective on music. Like, I feel like that's something that I want to talk to you more about, um, in the future. So we'll definitely have you back, uh, for Great. sure. I would be honored, man. Thank you. It. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks Dave. Um, all the best to you and God bless you and your ministry and, and, yeah, we'll make sure that people hear about the stuff that you're doing and and uh yeah, we will uh we'll talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, so uh that was phenomenal. Um Dave again, just such a huge heart. Um one of the things that, that he pointed out uh, a little bit later on, um, there were a lot of good things in there, but, but one of the, the overriding themes that, that I picked up on um, is this, this idea of relationships, that um, it all starts with trust. Um, you know, 
people aren't going to follow us if they don't trust us and, and they're not going to trust us if we don't invest in their lives and, and invest in, in developing relationships. And that's a lesson I'm still trying to learn. Um, it's easy for us as leaders to be disconnected from our teams and from uh, even the staff that, that we work with in the churches where we serve. Um, but also, you know, our relationship with God is paramount. And if we're so busy just trying to get Sunday to, to be the best, um, we miss out on all these moments with God throughout our week, um, and throughout our lives. Um, and so I, I want to encourage you just as Dave did, like try to get away from that idea of transactional relationships with, with people and with God, where it's just, we're just in it to see what we can get out of people, um, or just in it to see what we can get out of God or what we can get him to do for us. Um, love people because they're people and because they're in your life. Love, love your teams, the volunteers that you lead, the staff that you work with. Just be grateful that, that they are present with you aside from anything that they can do for you or aside from anything that they can do to, to, to make, you know, your weekend better or make your work experience better. Just find a way to love people for who they are. Um, and, and, and the same with God, like we, we, we can't just run after God because we think he's going to make us successful or because we think he's going to make, you know, our worship experiences, uh, you know, all goosebumpy and, and great. Like God just wants to be with you. It should be enough for us to just want to be with God. And I think that those are, those are two really big things that can, that can get us out of that rut of just running after uh, the Sunday experience and, and, and making our Sundays, um, you know, just super great. So, um, it starts with the relationships and, and I'm just super grateful to Dave, uh, for sharing that, um, sharing that with us. Uh, as I mentioned, we want to tell you about where you can listen and, and, and hear more, uh, from Dave and Tara, but also know more about, uh, their ministry, uh, with worship and the word, um, go to worship and the word.com. Um, and, uh, lots of great resources there. You can find ways to help support them, um, in that ministry. Uh, and then also there's a link to the music that they're starting to put out, uh, as worship in the word music. So, uh, check that out, but also, um, uh, mountaincitymusic.com. Uh, and then you can also find them on Spotify. Uh, just look for mountain city music and, uh, and you'll see, uh, their their picture up there that just two of the most uh, probably attractive people that you'll ever see um, but they're also super talented and so uh, it'll make you super jealous but once you get over that and you listen to their music uh, you might get a little jealous again but then you'll start to enjoy it so um, I, I kid I kid I'm just jealous because he's skinny um, yeah so Mountain City Music you are actually hearing them right now underneath what I'm saying so if you dig what you're hearing Go get you some on Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is that you listen to or download music. Um, yes, people still download music. All right. I'm going to stop talking because this is our longest episode so far. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, this is a ministry of Torn Curtain Arts. Uh, you can go to torncurtainarts.org to find out more about us and how uh, we can help you if you need help. Um, if you're a worship leader and you want some help getting off that treadmill, uh, let us know. 
uh, reach out to us, torncurtainarts.org. You can also give if you want to hear more content like this. Uh, we are always grateful for your donations and for your help. So, um, yeah, we will talk to you again soon. Keep listening to Chasing Sunday. Thanks. And keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Turn here